Hey, hey, team. Welcome back to You've Got a Life to Love podcast with your host. It's me, Sarah Delamardar. I'm so happy that you are here. Um, really quickly, uh, my Foundations of Recovery uh, group coaching program launches in a week. So if you are in a place where you are separated and divorced, be it recent, maybe you're considering divorce or in that hard place, or maybe you've been divorced a long time and you just feel like you never really recovered well and properly, this Foundations of Recovery might be for you. So you can go to my website, saradelamarterco.com and check it out, or you can reach out to me on Instagram um, at sarah.delamarter and we can chat about it and see if it's the right fit for you. Uh, I also have one-on-one mentorship and private coaching via the Voxer app available, so go check it out. All right, I'm pretty fired up today. Today, I want to talk about this thing that happens to me regularly on social media. I'm really passionate about about Christians recovering well after divorce because, yes, we all know in God's perfect world, the way it was created in the Garden of Eden, there was no need for divorce. But you know what? There is now because people can be terrible to people and we break covenants with each other. People have been breaking covenants with God since the original sin. So this brokenness happens. The sinfulness happens. We all have to suffer the consequences of all of that. And inside of that, we get divorced. God allowed divorce in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And... (laughs) He does put boundaries on it. I think that is fair and that is wise to acknowledge. And, but he puts boundaries on every aspect of our Christian walk, right? Because he, these rules that we are called to follow are to set us apart. It's not to be a trap. It's not to be oppressive. It's not to make us walk around in guilt and shame and never like ourselves or who we were created to be. Oh, because we're Christians. You know, we walk around just in these chains and we have to follow all these, this legalism and all of these rules because the Bible said this or the Bible said that. Like, that's wrong. That's the wrong approach. Jesus died for us. He died for our, he died for our freedom. He died to forgive us for our sins so that we had this freedom in him. He died for our joy. Um, He is the ultimate redeemer to redeem us and our lives over and over and over again. But in the world of the church world, in the world of Christianity, (laughs) um, humans rank sins. God doesn't. God is too holy. He's completely perfect. He cannot be in the presence of sin. So any one sin is a sin. And it's the exact same as any other sin to God. That's why Jesus had to die for us, to cover all of us from all of these sins, because we can't be in his presence. Um, But humans rank them. Humans rank sin all the time. From, you know, from a white lie all the way up to some of the more horrendous crimes. Now, there are different consequences for different sins. So that is a reason, I think, inside of our humanity that it does feel like we rank sins. But I just, 
I just want to be fair and touch on that point for just a second. We're going to leave out those great big, big ones. You know, there is a right, there is a wrong. Um, so we're going to leave out some of the big atrocities and discuss some more sin in a way that, that we experience more in our daily lives, like white lies. People might shrug that off. Like, oh, that's no big deal. Oh, you know, okay, fine. Maybe the consequences of that white lie weren't huge, but it's a sin. So let's just call it that. Let's be fair there. And as the church goes on, you know what sins get bad, right? <laughs> sex, um, sex before marriage. Wow, bad, big, bad sin. And then you keep going and you know what is a terrible, terrible character flaw of a sin? Divorce. <sighs> Oh no. Oh no. She got divorced. I don't know if I want my kids hanging out at her house. Real judgments. Oh, he's a divorced dad. I don't know what happened. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think I want my kids to have a sleepover there. (laughs) Actual thoughts, actual judgments. And I get on the one hand, parents want to be prudent, but on the other hand, it's like, you don't know, maybe someone inside of a marriage, maybe they're an alcoholic, or maybe they are a chronic liar, or repeatedly unfaithful. Maybe they're abusive or neglectful, but because they're married, they get saved from, somehow their character is saved. Um, Maybe it's just their reputation, but I get really fired up about it. So one thing that happens to me, oh, pretty frequently, is when I post something about freedom after divorce, because I am living proof that there's incredible freedom after divorce. And I'm not the only one. I am not the only one out there who took divorce as an opportunity, as a chance to really take your the grief and the brokenness and really hold it um, right in the presence of God and stay at the feet of Jesus and have him walk me through that and heal me in such a way that I feel blessed by immeasurably more. The peace that I have, the laughter in my home, the ease at which I can go about each day mentally and physically um, there is an ease to it. There is a joy here and a peace and a provision. And that that is freedom. And I found that in large part through my relationship with, with God. He walked me through this whole thing. He told me not to be ashamed. So <laughs> this thing happens on Instagram. And I so I talk about that. That is, I'm on a mission. That is a part of, a huge part of my mission is I want you. I want you, if you're going through a a separation or if you've been divorced or are divorced or might get divorced, I want to walk alongside you and help you discover there is freedom in your life. There is still freedom in Christ. There is joy, hope, love, healing, all of these great big desires that you have for your life, for your heart, for your mental health. That exists for you. It is available to you. We have to work to get there. As with recovery from any grief, you have to be intentional and purposeful. This, but I'm super passionate about it because I, 
I honestly, I deeply, deeply believe that there's a lot of divorce happening right now, post-pandemic and um, things are changing in society where, you know, women don't, we're not required to be married, to, you know, have our own credit card, (laughs) stuff like that. That when, uh, I just lost my train of thought with my little joke. (laughs) But there's this thing now that, um, that gets thrown up at me all the time. And, oh, it's the freedom of doors. When I'm out here and I'm speaking joy and life and encouragement into uh, divorcing Christians, separating Christians. And it's almost always men. Almost always. It's a man that will fire Bible verses back at me. And everybody loves Malachi 2.16. God hates divorce. Okay. And then they send me a whole bunch of stuff from the New Testament too about, you know, divorce not being allowed and nobody can be remarried. And this is not my theological podcast. I'm not going to dive into all of that today. Um, We will get there. But I just want to touch on this strange reality that it's almost always men throwing these out. And they throw them out with, you know, top notes of um, arrogance and control and fear. Um, And it's mean. And I really think that it's, it didn't start with me. Probably didn't start with that dude either. It's really been a very long road inside of the church that men and women have been taught how to be married very differently. Very differently. Women are taught, you know, you have to be little and meek and mild and you have to be super submissive. And if something is wrong in your marriage, you just pray your little heart out and make sure that you love him more and that you are more of a servant to him and you do more for him because that's going to make him love you more and that's going to heal your marriage. But men, on the other hand, they are taught that their wife is to be submissive to them and that they are to be the head of the household. And so they get the final say, like they are literally taught that their opinion matters more than their wives. They get the final say that it doesn't matter. Like you have to convince your husband to please make this choice. But if he doesn't want to, he has some inalienable right because he's the man to make whatever mother truck and choice he wants to make because he's been taught that. He was taught that that somehow is biblical marriage. But here's the catch. Here's the cruel joke of it all. Jesus actually spoke over and over and over again about this equality in in the Israelites' marriages, in the Jewish people's marriages. It's all throughout the Bible. He was speaking to them culturally in their time. And he was saying, you know, love each other. Love your wife like the church. Submit to each other. You know why? Because that set them apart from everybody else in the culture at that time. All of the other marriages were more like the mean ones, the really unequal ones. You know, women were property. Women were required for childbirth and for sex 
and for cooking, but they got to be, this is why, okay, they, this is why divorce, divorce rules came about in, because women were treated like property, they were nothing, and they could be discarded, and so God comes up, and he says, no, I'm sorry, but no, that divorce is not allowed, God hates divorce, this is where this comes from, because women were, women were, were so much less, valued so much less that they could just be discarded. That that man, that husband, he didn't like her anymore. She was too mouthy. Maybe she was barren. Maybe he just wanted something, somebody younger and different. He could discard her. And then in that culture, that left her vulnerable that left her shameful. Um, sometimes her family wouldn't take her back. And so she's just left with absolutely nothing. So why does God hate divorce? Because of the hardship that it caused to women. Because it was sinful to get there. Not because he doesn't allow it now. Not because he doesn't see a need for it now. It is not in God's character to require someone to stay inside of a torturous, abusive unloving, dangerous, unsafe place. He never would require that of someone. So Jesus steps in and he gives all of these rules for marriages about equality and loving your wife and how to have an excellent marriage because that set the people apart. That made them different. That showed the world that they were Christ followers. And over time, that has been so lost and so distorted back into this inequality where men, men get to be higher than women. No, you know, we were made out of the rib. You got to be under his arm. No, we were made differently. We were made uniquely. I'm not, I love men. Let's, I feel like sometimes this comes off as me being anti-man, but I'm not. I am pro good men. I am pro strong, healthy marriages. I am pro freedom after divorce. If you found yourself there, (laughs) I am anti the way marriage has been taught in the church for so many generations that when I speak about freedom of divorce, it is almost always men that start firing back angry Bible verses to me. And It fires me up because I know that nearly every other Christian out there that's facing divorce gets treated the same way. You have to go find your people that support you. It is a huge piece of what I do because I couldn't find the resources that I needed, the Christian recovery resources while I was going through divorce. Um, So I want to walk alongside people as they're going through this discovery, I want to share with them what I know, help ask them the questions to guide them and lead them, point them to Jesus and find that freedom, find that fullness of healing that is, that is available to you. Um, rather than ask someone to exist forever inside of shame, inside of embarrassment, inside of bad reputations. I mean, people, You never know what really happens inside of a marriage if you are not in it. So when somebody finally gets divorced, and it's so bananas to me how the the inequality in this. I I speak to men who are getting divorced when their women have, their women, gosh, that sounds terrible, their wives, 
they've been the ones that were toxic or abusive or super controlling um, or unfaithful. They, wives have been the one that abandoned them. But there's still this piece where it's a little bit, you know, the men leave and the men seem to garner a bit more sympathy in our culture than the women. I think, men, if I am wrong, you let me know. I am over here only as a woman speaking about what I've seen and people that I have talked to and what I know. So that's what it appears to me. But I would love, um, send me an email, hit me up in the Instagram DMs. I would love to hear your side as well. Um, But then when women leave, you're just branded. And so... If you know someone that's getting divorced (laughs) or someone's been mean to you, maybe have this conversation with them or send them this podcast. And just, it is high time that we stop this. Stop the cruelty being done here. Stop using the Bible as this weapon to trap people in marriages. Marriage is not a trap was never intended to be a trap. It was meant to be this this gift. It's supposed to be the closest that you can imagine what a relationship is going to be like in heaven, right? It's supposed to be this holy, sacred, beautiful partnership. You're both submitting to each other, you know, communicating, meeting each other's needs. It's supposed to be this cool, beautiful thing. It is not supposed to be scary, unsafe, sad all the time. It is not supposed to be a place where you feel like you have to go to your local clinic to get STD tested because you don't know where your spouse has been. It is not a place where you are supposed to feel like you're walking on eggshells because you don't know when uh, the wall next to your head's going to be punched again. It is not supposed to be a place where you are trying to make the perfect meal or the perfect eggs because you don't want to be called those names in front of your children again. But when we continue to allow the vitriol out there that's not true, about these inequalities in marriage, that the men are supposed to be higher and better than women rather than speaking the strong truth of Jesus that men and women are different and we bring unique and different things to the table and to the relationship, but that does not make inequality. That makes an unbreakable bond. So if somebody's being mean to you or you know of someone that's mean and that throws around Bible verses as a weapon, just remind them if you are in a position of divorce or separation or you have lived through it, I challenge you to try and maybe if if it's safe, share a bit of your story with that person. Ask that person for understanding. If you are someone who has felt so you know, convicted, like, oh, I got to tell these divorced people, they're just getting divorced, it's going to ruin the American family. It might be fixing it. You don't know what's going on inside of that marriage. I don't know a single 
Christian divorced person that wanted to get divorced and that walked away easily. So I'm asking you guys to share it with people. And if you have felt that conviction, you're not divorced yourself, but you know, oh, you know, you're trying to prevent Christian divorces by throwing out Bible verses as weapons, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. All it is is hurtful and alienating. You can just listen. Someone in your church, someone in your life is getting divorced. Instead of throwing weaponized Bible verses at them, throw them a coffee invitation and just sit and listen to them without any ulterior motive. Just think, this, she says, or he says, they're getting divorced. I really don't want that family to get divorced. So go and listen. Listen with understanding ears. And with your goal to show the goodness and the grace of our Heavenly Father. Start there. And maybe there is a way to save this, that marriage Maybe there is not. And if there is not, by all means, that's not actually your business. And if that marriage can't be saved, I guarantee you that divorcing person is scared. Because they didn't want to be here. They don't know what's going to happen. Likely we were all raised with the same sort of theology that, you know, nobody in our family gets divorced. Good Christian people don't get divorced. Yeah, except when they do. And it is high time to change the narrative on that. The church doesn't serve us well. Communities don't serve us great. So go back. Recognize that it didn't start with us. It didn't start with us. It didn't start with that dude sending me mean mean messages. It started before that. When the inequality, this weird, inequality is not the word, imbalance of marriage, it has been taught for generations instead of a recognition of each partner's unique strengths and the unique things that they bring to the table, it's, it's been hailed as, as an imbalance that always leaves the man as, you know, the ruling force. Now, just a, a quick note. I do believe that God is a God of order. So he does, there is order to everything that he does. Um, and I do think more often than not, men, good men, they do, they love to lead their family. They love to be providers. They love to be protectors. That's amazing. And a lot of women love to be n- nurturers. And they love to live inside of, live out that feminine energy. All that, excellent. And again, I think when those two different sides are recognized and celebrated and treated with the same level of respect and the same level of need for a healthy relationship and a healthy family, you know, then, then that's where the good stuff is. But when that gets when that gets used with force and as a weapon of control, toxicity, abandonment, 
Infidelity is a big one because that happens usually because someone feels entitled to it. When that happens, it's really hurtful. And when the marriage ends, it's really scary. So stop throwing around the Bible like it's a weapon. Start using it out of love. Go and listen and understand. Start there. All right, team. Thank you for being here today. I believe in you. Come find me on come find me on Instagram, Sarah.delamarter. You can come contact me on my website, sarahdelamarterco.com. I'm so happy that you were here today, and I believe in you. And I will talk to you later.